0: Hello and welcome to I Know Dino. I'm Gary. And I'm Sabrina. And in episode 125. Whoa. One-eighth of the way to a thousand today.
1: No, <laughs> that's how we're doing it.
0: Yeah. Eights. Everybody's <laughs> happy with eighths, Of course. <laughs> this week we have Dinosaur of the Day, Omeosaurus. We have a bunch of dinosaur news
1: like the yuge
0: yes (laughs) actually some pretty exciting ones because we have at least two new dinosaurs
1: that's also getting to be the (laughs) yuge i guess
0: (laughs) i think the yuge is more like one an episode but
1: i'm happy about it
0: yes and we'd like to thank our stegosaurus patrons chris nicholas kylan betsy and blaze campbell
1: Thanks, everyone. We've been loving all of the messages and everything we've been getting so far.
0: Yeah, we're sending out our dinosaur stickers.
1: And before we get into the news, I just want to announce the winner of our giveaway. Uh, We talked about this the last couple episodes. We were doing a giveaway on Amazon for our latest book, Top 10 Dinosaurs of 2016. And we had nearly 300 people enter, which is amazing. So thank you all. Our winner is... Brian Yarrington. So, Brian, you should have your book by now, and I hope you enjoy.
0: Yeah. And if you did not get, if if you're not Brian, I should say, (laughs) and you still want to get the book, if you join at our Tyrannosaurus level in Patreon, which is the $20 level, you get all of our books for free, including the top 10 dinosaurs of 2016.
1: Yep. And any future books that we come out with.
0: Yep. Or you can just get it through our website or on amazon
1: yeah there's options (laughs) (laughs)
0: so jumping right into the news there's a new dinosaur that's from the lower cretaceous in china and it's funny because the title of the paper is a new tiny dromaeosaurid dinosaur (laughs) and then it gets into the more specifics (laughs) So, it was found in the Chinese Yixian Formation, which is over by North Korea, and it was published in IVPP. It's from the early Cretaceous, about 125 to 120 million years ago, and its name is Jongjianosaurus yangai, and both the genus and species name are in honor of Yang Jongjian, and he's known as the founder of vertebrate paleontology in China. Wow. Yeah, pretty awesome. He's also been called like the father of vertebrate paleontology in China. Yeah,
1: I remember hearing that.
0: He's a pretty big deal. Oh,
1: yeah, gets genus and species named after you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he's like on the scale of Cope or Marsh in the US, I would say. So pretty influential guy. And he was also involved in the creation of China's Institute of Vertebrate Paleontology and Paleoanthropology or IVPP, which is where this and most other dinosaur discoveries are published. So...
1: It's a good thing he created that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Otherwise, there would be no place for people to name dinosaurs after him in. (laughs) (laughs) So the dinosaur is a Microraptorine, which is a subgroup of Dromaeosauridae, also known as raptors. And Microraptorine is like, basically like Microraptor. Tiny. Tiny. Yeah. (laughs) And it is very small. It could probably fit in your hand. Oh. Yeah. And it looks pretty cute and like a bird, except that it has longer legs than you'd see on a modern bird. And it has a very long tail full of bones, not just, you know, a little fluffy feathery tail. Mm -hmm. And they found 26 of the likely 27 tail vertebrae. They found a bunch of vertebrae from the back neck, a lot of ribs, some legs, arms and wings i should say arms or wings (laughs) (laughs) since they're basically the same thing and even a wishbone which is pretty cool a
1: lot of tail vertebrae
0: yeah i mean it had if you think about like microraptor they had really long tails it's basically half the length of the dinosaur yeah they didn't find the skull or the hips but they assume that it had sharp teeth. So when you said, "ah," oh, no,
1: then <laughs> it's was, not. So one of those that like, you look at it and it looks cute until it opens its mouth. <laughs> yeah.
0: Unless its teeth were sticking out like crocodiles. I don't really know what it would have looked like. Yeah. But it did also have those awesome claws that all dromaeosaurs have on oh, their feet. also not cute. No. So <laughs> if it was sitting in your hand, you might be a little nervous. They didn't mention any feather impressions being found with it. I don't think it's really from the formation where they usually find feather impressions. I think that's a little bit farther west. But it is the ninth dromaeosaur from the area. And they range from 200 grams to about 12.5 kilograms, or seven ounces to 28 pounds. So pretty good range there. And Jonggianosaurus was about 310 grams or 11 ounces. So it's at the lower end of the spectrum. But it turns out that the 200-gram specimen was a juvenile microraptor, So, Jonggianosaurus may have actually been the smallest one in the area.
1: If it's that small, how much harm could its claw do to you? I
0: don't know. Or its teeth. I mean, like a bee stinger is pretty small.
1: That's true. That still hurts.
0: Yeah. I I guess it's a little different because bee stingers have poison in them, though. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. It could cut you, though. Like a a little knife. (laughs)
1: <laughs> okay so yeah I guess pretty sharp probably still yeah
0: I think it'd be bigger than like cat claws and then you know they had that sheath over the outside that was all sharp yeah so yeah it, it could probably do a little bit of damage they said it might have been like an omnivore because it was so small so mm. you know it's probably eating stuff like insects and things probably wasn't doing too much. Taking it down of animals, <laughs> I don't think it would really go after a human. Probably be like any small bird. Now, if you go up to it, they tend to fly away. Even if it's you know a predator, like if you sneak up on an osprey or something, it's not gonna come after you and probably just fly away.
1: Yeah, not like a seagull. Or... <laughs>
0: <laughs> Your nemesis. <laughs> yeah, but. I think the set of different raptors ranging in size from 200 grams to 12 and a half kilograms is such a cool idea. I kind of want like a nesting set of them or something or like a series of statues of all the different sizes. It seems like it'd be pretty awesome.
1: Describing them kind of like Pokemon. Yeah. Gotta catch them all.
0: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Speaking of gotta catch them all. Is it... (laughs) I don't know. There's another new dinosaur. This one was published by the University of Michigan, a pretty uncommon source for paleontology finds. So they found a new sauropod, and they named it Moabasaurus utainsis, and you may be able to guess that it's named after Moab, Utah, which is where the dinosaur is actually from, not from Michigan. And (laughs) Moab is the closest large city to where the dinosaur was found. It's a likely titanosaur from around the same time as the other dinosaur, about 125 million years ago.
1: Opposite end of the world it's so much larger.
0: (laughs) It has nothing else in common other than the time frame. Like
1: if if that other, the tiny Microraptorine... Sat on this titanosaur (laughs) anywhere on this titanosaur, that titanosaur would not notice it.
0: Yeah, even on its head. (laughs) Yeah, just be like little tiny hat. So it was actually a really awesome find though. It came from this place called the Dalton Wells Quarry, and they found at least 5,500 bones, accounting for at least 18 individuals. But the craziest thing is that 97% of the bones were, quote, broken in two episodes of trampling, what? end quote. Yeah, so they say they all got broken first when the animals died, and then they got flushed downstream a little ways, and then they all got broken again. Mm. So they're just super fragmented and messed up. And on top of that, a large fraction of them were damaged by bone-eating insects. And That's a thing? <laughs> yeah. Huh. I think they technically call them like, osteophagus or something like that. Mm -hmm. It just means bone eating. They said in the article quote, the insects likely beetle larvae created burrows on the surface of the bone often consumed articular surfaces and fed on the undersurfaces of the bones giving them a planed off appearance end quote. Which basically means they ruined the bones for any (laughs) kind of paleontology use. So beetles. Yeah and They talked about, like, the different bones that were less affected, and they said they were things that were stronger, more dense bones, like, I guess, leg bones, and then things that had more complicated shapes, like vertebrae. So, I guess that leaves things like ribs and hips and, I don't know, I guess maybe some of the skull and things like that, that all these beetles just kind of ate through Mm. after they had already been broken into multiple pieces. So... (laughs) It took them a really long time to put this information together. I think they actually found some of them decades ago, and they've just been piecing together this mess of bones for such a long time. But now that they're all done, they can tell that it's likely a basal titanosaur. But interestingly, it has teeth like a Camarasaurus.
1: Unless the beetles chewed through the teeth enough to make them look <laughs> weird.
0: Yeah, I guess that's <laughs> always a chance. And... They also recovered some uh, brain cases, which is pretty cool because you don't always see those and seeing them from multiple individuals is pretty neat. So despite the fact that these bones were in terrible shape, since there were thousands of them and across many individuals, there's still a ton we can learn from them because getting bone beds of multiple individuals is relatively uncommon and it gives you so much more information about a species than just finding one individual. So it's still a really great find, even though, you know, they got broken multiple times.
1: And it was such a pain to piece together.
0: Yeah. It's kind of funny in their recreation, they used the skull of a Camarasaurus, probably because the ones that they had were a little bit broken up. And that reminded me of the whole Brontosaurus thing. Yeah, I was just thinking a that, yeah. Skull. Yeah. And speaking of Camarasaurus teeth. No. Oh. We have a new article published in PAL-Z. And they looked at a really great Camarasaurus specimen, which really there are quite a few good Camarasaurus specimens. You know, there's at least two really high quality ones from Dinosaur National Monument. There's the juvenile and then there's the one that's still in the rock wall. You can see its skull and some of its teeth right there. They're also kind of ubiquitous throughout the rest of the late Jurassic formations in the U.S., But researchers are taking a closer look at a particularly well-preserved skull that was found in Bighorn Basin, Wyoming, and it's now housed in Switzerland because, you know, that's what you do. You go to the western U.S. and you take them to Michigan or Switzerland or wherever you want to do your research and (laughs) they don't have the dinosaurs. The neat thing about this Camarasaurus skull in particular is that it includes, quote, a slab of sediment with soft tissue impressions ranging up to the middle part of the crown, end quote. And by crown, they're talking about the part of the tooth. So that basically means that this Camarasaurus had pretty big gums.
1: Yeah, a gummy smile.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And they notice that the teeth roots are mostly resorbed, which basically, is kind of what happens with children when their teeth are falling out. The root of the tooth resorbs, which means kind of, you know, gets dissolved back into the body and then the tooth can fall out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So apparently that was going on with this Camarasaurus. It's kind of weird because you figure you kind of need to use those teeth. Why are the roots resorbing? And they are hypothesizing that maybe that means that this Camarasaurus might have had a beak to help hold in its relatively loose teeth.
1: That sounds really unpleasant. Yeah. Holding in loose teeth. <laughs> oh, my. oh Today's not the day that you lose them. You might need to eat.
0: <laughs> I am paraphrasing a little bit. That's not exactly the wording they used, but that's pretty much what they're saying. Yeah, it's, it's weird. It's really weird to me. It made me wonder if maybe that particular chimerasaurus might have just had some kind of gum disease or something (laughs) that was making its roots resorb but i don't know
1: i was just thinking it was it sarmientosaurus that was given the nickname was like the eeyore of sauropods (laughs) or something because of the way it faced down but like this chimerasaurus would have every reason to be eeyore like
0: yeah losing its teeth (laughs) yeah it's weird but then there was also a good article that Brian Sweetek wrote on his blog, and it gave me a little more information because the original article is behind a paywall, and I couldn't get at all that juicy information about how its gums were working with its teeth. But he wrote that sauropod isolated tooth rows are often found, and basically that's just like a row of sauropod teeth that aren't connected to anything, just like a fossilized row of teeth. And people have wondered... Why are these sauropod teeth being found in groups? And he was saying, well, maybe it's because, you know, they were held in by gums. And then when the gum goes away, you know, you've got these rows of teeth that are kind of just left there. So that's a pretty interesting hypothesis. And the idea that maybe Chimarasaurus had a beak is also pretty weird. So I don't know. It seems weird to have all those teeth and a beak.
1: Yeah, I saw somebody... One artist put together what they thought it would look like with the beak.
0: It's interesting. Yeah, it is really interesting. So I'd like to see what other people have to say about this because, you know, it's quite a claim to make. And next in the news, there's an article published in PLOS One, and the main purpose was to iron out some of the details of Edmontosaurus regalis. Pretty exciting phylogenetic analysis, heavy-duty paleontology stuff. But at the same time, they propose synonymizing Ugrunalak kukpikensis, also known as the ancient grazer that was found in 2015 in Alaska. It was one of our earlier dinosaur discoveries that we talked about on the show.
1: Yeah, I remember. I remember that name and thinking, how do you pronounce that?
0: Yeah, it's a Nupiat, because that's what people speak in Alaska, or at least some people do. But, you know, it might not be a dinosaur anymore. So that's kind of sad. Hmm. Yeah. So, basically, they looked at all these different hadrosaur-like dinosaurs and tried to see how they were related and the likely groups that they were in. And while they were looking at it, they were like, "Uh uh-oh, this new dinosaur looks an awful lot like some of the other dinosaurs. So, it might be synonymized and no longer.
1: That's pretty quick.
0: Yeah. A lot of times they do disappear pretty quick because people will read the articles and they'll say really is that a big enough difference to count Mm. and then when you start doing simulations trying to fit them into the tree sometimes they're so close that you say oh oops i don't think that counts so might be one less dinosaur the other interesting thing from the paper though is that their models showed that hadrosaurs most likely evolved in north america but there's a Pretty decent chance that they came over from Asia as well. Hmm. And they're hoping to nail that down with some future analysis.
1: That's cool. Seems like there were a lot of dinosaurs that came from Asia.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of back and forth.
1: Next in the news, FutureLearn has released a new online course called Extinctions Past and Present. And it's a free course with start dates throughout the year. So you have to kind of keep track of when the next start date is because one just started end of March. And it lasts about five weeks. Each week focuses on one of five mass extinctions. And then they'll teach you about the threat of a sixth extinction today. The University of Cape Town in South Africa created the course. And it features paleobiologist Professor Anusua Chinsami Turan. And it looks really interesting. So I'll be keeping my eye out to see when the next dates start up. Next, the Institute for the Study of Mongolian Dinosaurs. I feel like we mentioned them at least every week now. But they're doing so many great things. They released images of Mongolian dinosaurs on their website. And Garrett and I got to see these images a couple weeks ago. We were actually hanging out with Taya, who works there. And they're really great. And they're detailed. And they show feathers. And some of them, I think, have pretty cute faces, like Pinacosaurus. I think that's how you pronounce it, which is an ankylosaur. And other dinosaurs on the list include Nemectosaurus, Cetacosaurus, Velociraptor, Dinochirus, Oviraptor, and Tarbosaurus. Next, there is an opportunity to get a dinosaur bone named after you, if you're interested. So, le Musée de Bo arts d'Anglem and L'Association Association I probably messed that pronunciation up, but that's better than I can do. I tried. They're raising money for a new exhibition, and a recent dig found 7,000 bones, including a sauropod femur, and they found it back in 2010. So. These bones are now part of an exhibition called Dinosaurs, the Giants of the Vineyard, which will open on May 20th, and anyone who donates 30 euros gets to have a bone named after them, and a label with your name will be hung on the bone and put on display, (laughs) and then you get a photo and a certificate. Their goal is to raise 7,500 euros in 60 days to help reconstruct the sauropod leg and put it in the museum's entrance, so it seems like a really good opportunity I've never heard of other, any other opportunity to get a dinosaur bone named after you.
0: Yeah, Getting a specific bone named after you is kind yeah, of funny.
1: it's creative fundraising.
0: I mean, they all have to have names, but usually it's something like, you know, R-A-F-2759-4 or something.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know if this would be easier for researchers to keep track or not.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where's the Emily bone? <laughs> <laughs>
1: The University of California Museum of Paleontology in Berkeley, California, held their annual short course back on March 4th, and this year the topic was dinosaurs. It was called A New Look at Old Bones, Insights into Dinosaur Growth, Development, and Diversity, and it connected the public with current paleontological research. So Lisa White and Mark Goodwin from Berkeley kicked off the event, and other speakers included Nathan Smith from the Natural History Museum of L.A., David Evans from the Royal Ontario Museum in Toronto, Holly Woodward from Oklahoma State University, and Dana Rashid from Montana State University. And Mark Simmons, an illustrator, created storyboards for each of the presentations, which touched on myosauro, dinosaur chickens, and dinosaur taphonomy. And we'll post a link so you can see the illustrated notes. They're really great. I've been to other conferences where somebody was doing these large boards and illustrating the notes. And it's really, it's a fun way ...to revisit what you learned in the lecture.
0: Yeah, it's pretty clever. It's It looks almost like a comic book style, except it has a ton of information and text on it. It's pretty neat.
1: It is. So Easter just happened, and the Morris Museum in New Jersey hosted an Easter egg hunt with field station dinosaurs. It was part of a Dino Day family festival, and people were able to hunt for eggs on a Jurassic-themed trail. Apparently, each egg had a prize inside... And kids also got to make dinosaur crafts and meet a dinosaur expert. kind of curious what the prize would be. Maybe it was like a little dinosaur toy or something. Yeah, probably. Yeah.
0: Or a dinosaur chocolate.
1: Ooh, that'd be good.
0: We technically had dinosaur chocolates. We did? Yeah, because there was a little duck.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we had eggs, too. We could pretend, pretend they were dinosaur eggs.
0: Well, they were, right? Chicken egg?
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> good point. <laughs> In the UK police had to get involved in Devon when the owners of the Dinosaur World attraction and the ice cream shop next door got into a dispute over where two Jurassic Park style Deinonychus could stand. This is a pretty funny one. So the two Deinonychus have been in front of Dinosaur World for seven years, but the new owner of the ice cream shop didn't like that they sat in front of his shop. So he moved them 10 feet so that they wouldn't obscure his business. And in response, the owners of Dinosaur World called the police. And the police came by, but they didn't do anything, and they said it was a council issue. So it sounds like it's going to be rough for these two businesses to be next to each other, <laughs> however long that is.
0: That seems kind of ridiculous, calling the police because somebody moved your statue to well, feet.
1: we don't know the full backstory. There was probably a lot of back and forth leading up to this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next, Screen Rant posted a video about what dinosaurs would really have sounded like, and we've talked about this before, but it's a nice five-minute video that features paleontologists who have advised filmmakers. As we've discussed, the video talks about how dinosaurs wouldn't have roared while chasing prey, and they may have made more low-pitched rumbling noises like how modern-day large birds and crocodiles make. And then there's the hadrosaurs with the hollow crests on their heads that probably made sounds when they breathed, and scientists think it was probably a low-buzzing sound. Dinosaurs in general are thought to have made low-pitched sounds, which is unlike the high-pitched shrieks that they make in movies, but no one's ever heard a dinosaur, a non-avian dinosaur, (laughs) I should say, so we may never know for sure.
0: You could see my pedantic comment coming.
1: (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) i know you
0: (laughs) i was gonna say i heard a dinosaur today
1: which one did you hear today
0: i don't know i'm not a birder oh i can't identify them by their squeaks or chirps or whatever you call those things
1: (laughs) (laughs) their sounds yeah
0: calls i don't know oh
1: yeah Next, MSN put together a video listing the top 10 coolest dinosaurs, which I think is a bit biased and also kind of goes with what's been covered in the media, but it was still a good video. They specifically said that they didn't include pterosaurs and marine animals since those were not dinosaurs, so props for that. And dinosaurs included in the list are Brachiosaurus, Allosaurus, Spinosaurus, Trodon, Iguanodon, Ankylosaurus, Stegosaurus, Triceratops, and then, of course, number one is T-Rex. Spoiler alert. You probably saw that coming. <laughs> yeah. They list facts about each dinosaur and clips from different movies and TV shows that show the dinosaur. And the video is about 10 minutes long. We'll post it on our website. You can watch it for yourself. There's also more Jurassic World 2 news, so Colin Trevorrow confirmed that Rexy, the T-Rex from Jurassic World, will be making an appearance, and he tweeted, quote, confirmed, tell her when she wakes up.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think he was responding to a man who asked if Rexy was going to be in there because his daughter really likes Rexy and was wondering if Rexy was going to be in the new movie, and then Colin tweeted back, yes. Tell her when she wakes up. <laughs> That's what he means.
1: Ah, <laughs> uh-huh. so the daughter was having a nap or something.
0: Yeah, something like that.
1: That's nice. So yeah, Rexy is now about twenty five years old, and it's been estimated that T. Rex has lived to be around thirty years old. But hey, Rexy might live way longer since she was created with a mix of DNA. I mean, Plus,
0: she's bred in captivity. Yeah, and that can change lifespans pretty dramatically. Although sometimes it's not a good thing. Depends on the animal.
1: Yeah. <laughs> And we have no experience with T-Rexes in captivity. <laughs> That's so.
0: true. That was the first one, basically.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of dinosaur movies, Chiller TV published a list of 13 dynamic dinosaur movies, which is adding to our list of movies we need to watch. We've seen five of them, which is pretty good. So we've seen King Kong, Godzilla, Jurassic Park, Dinosaur, and Jurassic World, but we still need to see the original Godzilla. And there's also The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. Rodan, Journey to the Center of the Earth, Gorgo, One Million Years B.C., and the Valley of Gwangai. Reading the descriptions, it sounds like most of the dinosaurs were done in stop motion, which makes sense, and I think that'd be fun to watch.
0: Yeah, it's great. I really enjoyed the stop motion in King Kong, although that's kind of renowned for being one of the best early stop motion. Breakthrough
1: technology, right? Yeah.
0: But a lot of these were done by both the man who made King Kong and his main protege, so... Probably only gets better. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. On April 6th, NPR marked the 25th anniversary of Barney the Dinosaur. Apparently a woman named Cheryl Leach first thought of the concept back in 1987, and she thought that Sesame Street was for children and adults, and she wanted something just for toddlers, (laughs) which is why Barney is probably so divisive. So she actually thought of Barney while stuck in traffic on a freeway in Texas, and there's so many people who hate on barney (laughs) and this npr segment quoted one man as saying barney was the worst thing on tv (laughs) until the teletubbies
0: it's really funny that he said that because when you mentioned that she thought barney needed to be just for toddlers Mm -hmm. my first thought was like oh like the teletubbies (laughs) which is also a terrible show but yeah
1: (laughs) i've never seen the teletubbies so
0: it's bad. I don't recommend it. Well, I,
1: I, toddlers might love it, though. Oh, I'm sure they yeah. do. <laughs> <laughs> so there's obviously kids who loved Barney, and he's popular enough that he continued for 25 years, so.
0: Yeah, I wonder why they stopped it.
1: I don't think they did. I think it's still going. Oh, really? Yeah, because we were talked about a few weeks ago, the man who was in Barney's suit uh, until another company bought the rights to Barney. Oh, okay. And then he was no longer Barney.
0: Oh, Barney. <laughs> <laughs> At least Barney talks. I don't think the Teletubbies even really talk. They just kind of make noises. Or maybe that's like the Weebles or something. There's a whole bunch of them Couldn-
1: now. Couldn't tell you.
0: Yeah. The market is saturated with toddler-only TV now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> sure. I wouldn't know. <laughs> Anyway, moving on. There's some great stories of people in T-Rex inflatable costumes that came out this week. So first, the Cincinnati Ballet posted a video of someone in a T-Rex costume wearing a tutu attending a ballet rehearsal. And the T-Rex does pretty well, tail and all, with uh, bar exercises, jumps, and even leaps. I was impressed. None of the other dancers even seemed phased. (laughs) Although I'm sure that was staged. But anyway, (laughs) near the end, the T-Rex even high fives a woman. And then the end of the video shows the T-Rex twirling and dancing in front of the ballet building. There is also a video of a conductor and his name is Christopher Dragon. Great name. And he's from the Colorado Symphony, and he wore a T-Rex costume to conduct music by John Williams from the film Jurassic Park. The symphony performed at Comic-Con and paid tribute to the event by emphasizing the music of popular movies and video games. It sounds like it was a really fun event.
0: Yeah, that was a fun video watching the guy conduct in the T-Rex suit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I like it.
1: Next, Discover the Dinosaurs Unleashed is coming to Metro Park in Montana on April 29th and 30th to celebrate they're holding a joke contest. The winner of the contest wins a family five-pack of tickets. So if you're in the area and you want tickets, think of some good dinosaur jokes. They can be knock-knock jokes or one-liners or anything dinosaur-related. And the winner will be selected on April 27th. The contest is only open to U.S. residents, though. And last, I don't know if this counts as news, but it's kind of a, yay us. (laughs) I know Dino was number eight in the top 10 dinosaur blogs and websites by Feedspot. Hooray. Yeah, and there's some really great dinosaur websites on this list. Like number one is Everything Dinosaur, which we read all the time. There's also uh, the Dinosaurs They Rock Reddit subgroup, which Garrett is off and on
0: i love me some dinosaur subreddit
1: google news the dinosaur section made it which is cool the new york times dinosaurs section made it which i didn't even know that they had a dinosaur column same with the guardian well i guess we've read a fair amount of the guardian ones and then there's also love in the time of chasmosaurs which we've talked about on our podcast i'm I'm a big fan of that blog so really great list and we've got a badge on our website now that shows that we're part of it.
0: Hooray. They did miss a couple of really good ones though. Like I really like Shayna Montanari and Brian Sweetex too.
1: That's true. Yeah they have really good stuff.
0: I think they went for more general kind of news sites. <laughs>
1: yeah, it could be. Could be. I think we're the only podcast on the list too. Cool. This episode's brought to you by the Colorado Northwestern Community College
0: You can go from July 6th to July 20th or from July 22nd to August
1: 5th. Head over to cncc.edu slash DinoDig. You'll get all of the details. Just make sure that you register online by May 31st. And again, that is cncc.edu slash DinoDig, D I N O D I G. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 And now onto the dinosaur of the day, Omeisaurus, which was a request from Dinosaur4602 via YouTube. So thanks. The name means Omei lizard. It was a sauropod that lived in the Jurassic in what is now China. And the name Omei comes from Mount Emei. Omeisaurus was found there in the Shaxi Miao formation of Sichuan province. It was described in 1939 by Yang Zhongjian, also known as C.C. Young. hey, Garrett was just talking about him. (laughs) Sounds familiar. Yeah. (laughs) More fossils were found in the 1970s and 80s, which was the quote-unquote Chinese dinosaur rush. So there's six species of Omasaurus. There's Omasaurus zhengxiensis, Omasaurus changshuensis, Omasaurus fushiensis, Omasaurus tianfuensis, Omasaurus loquanensis, and Omasaurus maoyanus. Five of those species, all but Omeosaurus maoyanus, were named after the locations where they were found. The type species is Omaesaurus jungsensis. There's a lot of fossils that have been found, so it may be the most common sauropod in the late Jurassic in China. It was about 66 feet or 20.2 meters long and weighed 9.8 tons. The smallest species was Omaesaurus fusiensis at around 35 feet or 11 meters long. It had a rounded body, which gave it a small surface area compared to its volume, which would help it stay warm by reducing heat loss. It had nostrils that faced forward, and it had a long neck so that it could eat foliage. It could probably eat one ton of plants a day. Oof. It's a lot. Omasaurus tianfuensis had the longest neck, 30 feet or 9.1 meters long. And only Mementosaurus has a longer neck than we know of so far.
0: Is that, that might be relative to its body length, I'm guessing?
1: Could be. Mementosaurus is thought to have replaced Emmaosaurus. Scientists used to think that Emmaosaurus was part of the Mementosauridae family, but now it's thought to be part of Euhelopodidae, which is a family of sauropod dinosaurs named by Alfred Sherwood Romer in 1956. Scientists used to think that Omeosaurus had a club tail based on the club tail fossil being found near Omeosaurus fossils, and that made it hard to figure out which family Omeosaurus belonged in. But now it's thought to not have a club tail because a club tail would be too heavy and would have thrown Omeosaurus off balance.
0: That's too bad.
1: Yeah, but probably better for the dinosaur.
0: I don't know. What was that? There are some sauropods that have a club.
1: Yeah, but if it couldn't balance.
0: Just needs a longer neck.
1: (laughs) Other dinosaurs that lived at the same time and place as Omeosaurus included the sauropods Abrosaurus, Dashamphosaurus Shunosaurus, and the stegosaur Huayangosaurus, the ornithischian Agilosaurus, and predators such as Gasosaurus, Chuanhanosaurus, and Yangchuanosaurus. Yangchuanosaurus was big enough that it would have been a threat to Omeosaurus. Hmm. If you'd like, you can see a measaurus at the Zigong Dinosaur Museum in Zigong, China, and at the Beipei Museum near Chongqing in China.
0: And for our fun fact of the day, you've probably heard or seen mama birds feeding their baby birds without, you know, really getting all that stomach acid and other nastiness in the food and you might wonder how they do that. It kind of seems like they might just hold the food in their mouth or something, but it turns out they actually have a special pouch in their esophagus called a crop, and they actually swallow the food and kind of direct it to this little side pouch area, and then when they get back to their baby bird they can spit it back out, and it never actually got into their stomach at all. So, not all birds actually have this. There are a lot of birds that don't have it, like geese don't have it apparently, and there are other animals that do have it for instance bees have a crop and that's where they store nectar when they're going back to the hive and they're going to make their honey so you might wonder did dinosaurs have crops too and there is some evidence that dinosaurs non-avian dinosaurs might have had crops and that is pretty awesome because that means you could have something like a t-rex ripping off a chunk of an animal and then taking it back to its nest with its little baby t-rex and (laughs) spitting out you know a big chunk of bloody herbivore meat
1: appetizing
0: (laughs) i think it's a pretty cool idea to think of like a big carnivorous non-avian dinosaur like feeding its little baby dinosaurs seems cool
1: cool gross maybe a bit of both (laughs) (laughs) yeah And that wraps up this episode of I Know Dino. Thanks for listening. And if you would like to join our growing community on Patreon, check out our page at patreon.com slash I Know Dino. Thanks again, and until next time.